All right. Uh, so today is Mother's Day, and we are excited about that. And, you know, as I went through earlier in our prayer, talk about this on the, what I call like the wheel of motherhood. There's all these different expressions of mother. And this morning as we come in, I, I think I just want to honor as we come in that Scripture is really clear. It says you weep with those who weep and, and, and you celebrate with those who are celebrating. We recognize in parenting that really is the that really is the bookends of what it looks like, isn't it? We have our moments of celebration and we have our, our moments of weeping and we have that in the context of vintage. And so as you have come in this morning, moms, we recognize, man, like Mother's Day for some, it's like, this is so great. My favorite day of the year. This is the best. Parenting is the best. And so we're like, I hate Mother's Day, right? Because it's so hard. It reminds us of so many broken places. And I just want you to recognize this morning as we come in, we're going to speak about both of those pieces. But there's a high, I just want to say there's a high level of compassion and a high level of celebration. And I I invite you to do that, that we learn to celebrate with those who are celebrating and, and mourn with those who are mourning, recognize that's what it means to be part of the body together. Uh, and so we come today with that in mind, that we recognize we talk about motherhood and mothering and those types of pieces, that it is exciting and it's really, really difficult. And this morning as we do that, we're going to look at probably the, the most famous mother who ever lived, and it's Mama Mary, right? The mother of Jesus, and we talk about it this morning, and I want to begin here. You recognize, like, historically and spiritually and in the church through a, for since, really since the early part of the church, that Mary has played a key role, specifically in Catholicism, we know, and, and, and then you get outside of Catholicism now in this, the Protestant church, and you know, there's probably a little more disconnect from that and even some kind of pushback. But let me just say this as we talk about Mary this morning. And to recognize this, and here's the starting point. She was just a woman. She was just a woman. In fact, she was just a mom. She was a young woman who obviously had a miraculous moment of conception. But when she got pregnant, she never been pregnant for. And when Jesus was born, just like you, she was clueless about how to be a mom. She had no idea what she was doing. She was celebrating in moments at the same time as you know her, her story. She had moments of celebration and moments of unbelievable suffering and unbelievable moments of difficulty in her life. But she was just a mom like you who had all the questions and all the fears and made a lot of the same mistakes that you did because she was a human being just like you. And so as we tell the story of Mary, we can go, oh. Right up here. But my favorite, one of my favorite verses in James talking about Elijah goes, he goes, James says, Elijah was a man just like you who prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't. And I love that because they, they had all put Elijah up on this pedestal of like the prophet of all prophets. And James says, he was just a dude. Right? He was just a dude. And as we talk about Mary this morning, she wasn't just a dude, but she was just a mom. She was just a woman. And in that, she had all the questions and all the fears and all the tensions and all the concerns and all the things that you wrestle with. And so as we tell her story this morning and talk through Mary, I, I want you to not put the oh, Mary up here that we're talking about. I want you to put the 13-year-old 13 little girl who's pregnant walking around going, I'm going to be a mom. This is great. What do I do? <laughs> right? And then all the tensions and the sufferings and things that she went through in the middle of all the great things that she went to went through. And so in that this morning, I want to begin by looking what I think 
for me, like when I think about Mary, this is the first thing that comes to mind, right? And so when I think about a mom and a mom heart, I think of Luke chapter 2, verses 19 and 51. They say the same thing. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I love this verse because there's nothing seemingly that defines moms more than them like watching their kids pondering what they're doing and just thinking about it and then treasuring them. Like I, I had this mental image of Mary, right? In the story in verse 51, Jesus says they brought Jesus into, into the temple, right? They're going to, you know, do their thing and say, yes, you belong to the Lord. And then Joseph and Mary walk out and Jesus is right behind them in their mind, but he's not. And so they get ready to hop on the boat and leave and Jesus is nowhere to be found. And let's just be honest. Do you think mom's happy? She's not, right? And she's like, where is he? And there's like, oh, where is he? And like, where he, he better show up, right? That whole thing going on, like, where is Jesus? So they walk around, walk around, they go into the temple, and there he is. He's having this really theological conversation with the scribes and the teachers of the law. And like, where were you? He's like, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? It's like, no, I didn't know that, right? It's like, what are you talking about? But then Jesus, then they hop on the boat, and what does she do? She ponders Everything that just happened, and she treasured it. Like, isn't that a picture? Like, if you were in a movie, if I were, like, filming the movie of this moment, we would be on the boat, and there'd be hustle and bustle everywhere going on, and Joseph would be talking at her, but all she would hear was Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 because all she would be doing is literally just looking at like this, with a smile on her face, just going, hmm, right? Pondering. And treasuring who her son is. I love that. I love, she's just a mom. And she does mom things. Right? She does mom things. And so this morning, I, I just want you, mom, to begin to even see this reality of Jesus' mom. And the things that she goes through and the things that she went through, right? And so, so in this, no matter where we are on the wheel of motherhood, whoever it is that God has placed in your life, right? As a, as a child, to parent, to be a parent to whatever child in your life you've been called to, to love and to cherish, to treasure and to ponder their lives. I want you this morning to begin to recognize you have this call. You have this call and that call is to, is to ponder and to treasure. And to recognize you have a unique part of God's heart. Can we just do a theological for a moment? Do you recognize that Adam, right, first man, God says not good for man to be alone, so he pulled out of Adam. He pulled out of Adam part of God's image, out of part of his own image, and created woman. And so what had happened at the very beginning is the, the mother traits that we all cherish were found first in Adam, and God pulled them out, took those, and then shaped and formed woman to express the mother heart of God. It's a beautiful expression, beautiful picture of the uniqueness that God has pulled out to design and to create this woman who carries the heart of God for her children. So we come this morning with a unique and beautiful call to motherhood. So the first thing in talking about moms is this. There is beauty in being a mother. 
Right? There is beauty in being a mother. Mary pondered and treasured because she was enjoying her son. She recognized, like you, that her child, though he had a great calling, that he was ultimately born with an empty canvas. The options to his life were limitless in her mind. And like you, she would have recognized her powerful role of being what? Coach, cheerleader, disciplinarian, comforter in her son's life. She got to sit front row watching shaping, directing the journey of Jesus' life, and she loved it. She loved it. One of my favorite stories about Mary and Jesus is in John chapter 2. It's the story of Jesus' first miracle. Because why I love it is simply this. I love it because the interaction. I love it because the interaction between Jesus and his mother. And the other thing that I love about this story is that there's really no backstory to it. There's no explanation to the things that happen, which allow you then to dream and to imagine what is actually going on in this interaction. So let me read it to you. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples also had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. And he looked at her and goes, woman, why do you involve me in these things? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother goes, "Mm mm-hmm, listen to whatever he says. Like, how do you normally read that? Do you read it like this? Jesus' mother coming in, they're without wine. Woman, leave me alone. My hour hasn't yet come. Mm Mm-hmm. You do whatever he says. How do you read that? Because I'll be honest with you, the word woman in the Greek is a word, it's not, it's not a negative word. It's not a ne- there's not a single negative connotation to it. It's this beautiful word of relationship in the Greek. It shows, it shows an affinity. It shows a connectedness. It shows a, a nearness. It's just a word we don't necessarily have a great equivalent to, but be like, oh my gosh, woman, right? And when I read this, do you read it as if a level of frustration Or do you read it with a healthy banter that a son who honors and loves his mother would have towards a mother who absolutely loves and adores her son? Because how you could read it is this. Jesus' mom walking up and going, Jesus, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me in these things? You know my hour has not yet come. Mm -hmm. You do whatever he tells you, right? There's a, there's a banter, because here's the deal. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus was perfect, so he had a perfect relationship with his mother, which meant that he only respected her. He only honored her. He only loved her. He only looked up to her. He only adored her, because he was the perfect son. And so in the context of this, there's no frustration. There's no tension. They had this perfect relationship, and I look at it and go, I... I want to believe, because it's silent, that there was just a healthy banter going on in the moment of honoring between son and mother. I think there's this moment of them having this dynamic relationship happening in this moment. So what I want you to see is the beauty of their relationship. Jesus would have been close to his mom. Everything that he did, even in coming and saying woman, would have been the purpose of honoring her. We know later that literally Jesus' mother would have moved from home to be with Jesus and follow him wherever he went. And he, 
I'm sure was honored and pleased in that. There's a great relationship. They were close. So what I want you to see this morning is a couple of things about mamas that I see in this story. Number one, and this is just true and crazy, mamas just know things, don't they? Mamas just know things. How? Listen, she spoke to Jesus and he understood that he understood that she expected him to do something and probably do a miracle. He said, my time hasn't come. And he goes, she goes, mm-hmm, you do what he says. Because she just knew. Have you thought about that? How does she know? I have no idea. Scripture's silent, but she did. Mamas just know. It's a beautiful expression of this reality of Mary being so in tune what was going on with, with her own son. And then question, have you ever asked the question, why did Jesus actually then turn water into wine? Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Listen, give me grace when I say this. Like, I'm just going to throw a hypothetical out there, so don't ever quote me and don't say, well, Steve said, right? It's just something, a hypothetical to consider in the moment. We know how Jesus works. Jesus does nothing Except that which he sees his father in heaven doing, right? That's what scripture tells us. Jesus says, hey, listen, I don't ever do anything unless the father tells me to do it. So I just wonder, in the moment, did Jesus go, okay, my time hasn't yet come. And he looks to the father and says, father, what do I do? And I just wonder if the father said, obey your mother. I just wonder. I just wonder. Did he say, you need to obey your mother? Because we've all been there, dads, haven't we, Right? Because your mom knows. Okay. Get the water basins. Mom goes, mm-hmm, told you, right? That's not in Scripture. The told you so is not in the Scripture. But it's there probably somewhere, right? No, you know what I'm getting at. Just give me grace in that. That there's something that somehow she knew what was going on. She knew the will of the Father. She was so close to Father herself that I, that I just wonder if there's, I just wonder if there's something in this moment that, that she had heard for herself in this moment. I don't know, because here's the deal. Do you recognize that some, listen, that Jesus was shaped by his relationship with his mom? He was who he was because of relationship with father and relationship with mother. He was absolutely shaped in the context of that relationship. Why? Because he lived with her literally his entire life. Father, this listen, Joseph somewhere had passed away. He became the man of the house, took full responsibility, and the uniqueness happened in their relationship. We don't ever have, we're not privy to in Scripture, but something happened. They're close. They're near. They honor. They know each other. Mamas just know things. Sometimes, listen, moms, sometimes your job is to encourage what you know your children, your child should or could be doing and then not let it go. Whether you do it in conversation or you specifically and primarily, you do it in prayer. I know who you should. I know who you can be. And I'm not going to give up with the persistent, listen, the persistent widow, listen, who just literally continue to cry out for justice, right? I'm not going to let go. I know who my child is called to be. Sometimes, Mom, you know the will of God for your children, and your job is to fight and not back down until God's will is realized in them and through them. Please. Never let go of your responsibility in that. Please. Moms, I'll just be honest with you, and dads know it sometimes. A lot of times, moms are just better prayers than dads. There's a connection that happens in the heart. 
Not all of them. But you know what I'm getting at. As parents, we're called to that same best mom and dad, right? We've called to this. Called to fight. We know things. We hear from the Lord for our children. We fight for. We believe. We speak. We're willing to, we're willing to, to speak knowing our kids are going to lash out because they're so angry. Because you know something that they don't know and you say, I'm not going to give up. Or the second thing, mamas are proud. Mamas are proud of their kids. Listen, my mom, my mom thought that I was the most important and most amazing child in the world. And I was to her, right? Because aren't by nature mamas blind to all the deficiencies in their children most of the time? And they always see the positives in their own children above. And they always highlight everyone else, every other kid's negatives. They can only see your positives, right? It's like moms, just, they're just proud. I love this in the story of, of Mary. Can you Im- listen, can you imagine, can you imagine how it made Jesus feel when he's sitting there in the moment? And his mom looks over here at the, the disciples and their servants and just says, you do whatever he tells you. What does that speak? My mom believes in me. That's what it speaks. My mom believes in me. So much so that she's telling everyone over here to listen and obey me. Because she so believes in and trusts me, she's going to tell all the servants, you do whatever he tells you. Don't listen to anybody else, you just listen to him. That's profound. That's profound, right? Because what we find here, mamas are proud, but there is something that wells up inside of children when they recognize how proud their parents, specifically how proud their moms are. Of them. She respected her son. She believed in him. She believed others should follow him. She trusted him to do the right thing in the right timing. She believed in him and was proud. We need mothers. We need mothers who build their children's identity by loving their children and believing in them, even when no one else does, and especially when the child themselves can't even believe in themselves. Do you express, listen, Do you express a pride in your children, even when you know they're not perfect? Are you willing to build them and tell them how awesome they are? Second part we find is there's a difficulty, and there's difficulty in being a mother. There's difficulty in being a mother. Now we recognize on a on a very macro level, Mary experienced the ultimate tragedy. The ultimate suffering regarding her firstborn. She didn't just watch her son die, but she watched him as he was beaten again and again and again. You can imagine, like, that is ultimate suffering. That's this extreme level of suffering. There is difficulty in being a mother. She was not immune to suffering. But this morning, I want to, I want to look at it even more, I would say, maybe in more obscure difficulty that I think that it also applies to each of us and each of you as moms in the context of your life. It's in Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. that says this. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even, even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Have you ever had that thought about your children? 
Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. They are crazy. They're literally out of their mind. And kind of like a ha-ha funny. Or have you ever had in the context of like, what is going on? It's not how I raise my child. God, this is overwhelming. It's as if they are crazy. Experiencing it on both levels. And so in this, I believe we see Mary experiencing what is going on with Jesus. He is out of his mind. Listen, there are different opinions on exactly what's happening here, but one thing is clear. Mary is absolutely wholeheartedly concerned about the decisions that Jesus is making, so much so that she brings the whole family down. And if she's still living in Nazareth at the time, then it's a five-day travel to leave home and to come down and to be Jesus and to confront him and to talk about the crazy things that he is doing that he's out of his mind with. Like, that's overwhelming. And you've got to think about it for poor Mary in the moment, right? Like, she's having to relinquish control. That's number one. She's having to relinquish control. Like, she can't talk to him. She can't send out smoke signals. She can't send out a text. She can't send a phone call out. I mean, it's like, a, it's this season. So listen, you know what's happened? Jesus is doing these crazy things. What happens? Someone comes to her house to tell her. Do you know what your boy's doing? No, tell me. You better sit down. And she goes through the list of things, right? Remember that, listen, that moment you experienced when you realized your child was responsible for themselves? They could, listen, that you couldn't make them do what you wanted them to do? That moment you had to release them to make these quote-unquote terrible decisions? Think about poor Mary. Man, her, her concern we know now was unfounded, but what is she thinking? What is she, what is she seeing and thinking about? Think about this. Number one. Jesus has left the life that he's known. He's become a street preacher. Even though he's never had formal training, he starts picking up disciples. And he's leading them and he's teaching them. He then starts forgiving people their sin, the chapter before, which is blasphemy because only God could do that. He has befriended tax collectors. He's been seen eating with prostitutes. And he's found arguing with the Pharisees who were the most respected religious leaders of the day. This is not looking good for Jesus. And Mary's freaking out. She's having the mom moment. Oh, no, right? She's like brokenhearted on her knees, Kleenex around her, right? Just like weeping. What's going on? Crying, praying. Father, what's going on with my firstborn? What's going on with Jesus? He was so special, but here he is eating prostitutes. That's not smart. Is he, is he hanging? Is he really hanging out with them? Oh, no, right? Mary felt that same pain. She felt the urgency. She felt the fear. Relinquishing control, that tension, suffering. As a new parent, listen, this is like on a, this is, I start here because I just want you to see, even from the beginning, how, what this looks like. The idea of suffering that ends, end points down here with, G, with Mary having lost her own son, specifically in the context of suffering. But I'll never forget the first fever that we ever went through as parents. We've been through worse things since, but I'll never forget, like, this moment, like, it felt like suffering. Anna Catherine's our firstborn, so it's the first one. We went through the same thing with Sarah, but I'll never forget that one night we're living in Orlando. We're sitting, we're in our bed. The monitor has, like, Anna Catherine making noises ever heard before, right? And, and we walk in, and she's, like, sweating and going, oh, 
right? That kind of like moaning and groaning. We pick her up and she is hot. She has a fever. It's like 102 something. And what do we feel? Dread. Our first thought, is she dying, right? The whole thing. It's what you, your mind just races and you're like, we're holding her. We're taking turns holding her, right? Like it was just overwhelming. And we're like, and we're both like, I wish just we could take this suffering away from her, right? Because that's super small. It's not even, it's really insignificant. But, but even in that, like you feel it, don't you? To think about, listen, you could on down the line to the extremes, even to the degree which Mary, Mary experienced that own suffering of death. But you experience suffering. Our lives as moms, they're marked by joy and celebration, and they're marked by suffering. You feel it in your bones. Imagine Mary. She's hearing these words on her way to meet Jesus. And she's sitting here going, oh my gosh, Father God, Yahweh, what do we do? This is so overwhelming can't believe what's happening and she feels that to the very core of her being moms you suffer because you love and momhood is going to be defined by moments right having to relinquish control which is so hard and moments of suffering and then third these moments right of feeling defeat and stuff it's third thing is the mistakes like i don't know if you know this moms but you make them you make, you've made mistakes, you are making mistakes, and you will probably make some more. Here's the deal. Mary was wrong. She made a mistake in coming down and confronting with brothers. Like She's like, no, that's, that's what's happening here. This is what's going on in my life. I am the Son of God, and <laughs> right, I, I am doing these things, and so you're mistaken. She was wrong. He didn't need his brothers. He didn't need mom to come down. Jesus was in God's will and Mary was wrong. Moms are always full of good intentions, but they get it wrong every now and then I know, right? And that's really difficult. A lot of moms are perfectionists, right? Especially when it comes to their children. Each parent has a moment when they realize, hear this. This is for you too, Dad. It's a free one. You ready? Each parent has that moment when they realize that they are the problem their own child is facing. All of us. We are the issue in their life, and we don't even realize it. We are the problem in their life, and we don't even realize I'll never forget, when I was in seminary, I've probably told the story before, but Burl Dinkins, he's an older professor of mine, lived in South America for a long time. I was in Brazil, actually, I just remembered. And he's in Brazil for I don't know how many years. And he raised his children there. When every, listen, he had four kids. When every single one of his children turned 15, he and his wife sat. He was a, listen, he was a pastoral counselor, right? He was a counselor. His parents sat him down. or sat, me, They sat, he and his wife sat their children down at 15 and said, All right, you're now 15 years old. You've reached this place in your maturity. Uh, that we recognize we have royally messed you up as parents in your life. And so this is your one opportunity. If you want me to pay for your counseling, we will absolutely pay for all the counseling you need. But this is the one-time offer. He said two out of my four children took me up on it. I said, yep, you sure did. I'll take the counselor, <laughs> right? We all do. We all negatively impact our children. You all, would you agree, were negatively impacted by your own parents, right? It's like we do. Isn't it completely crazy to pretend like we're the one, like it's never our fault? Isn't that crazy? Moms, you have to, and dads too, 
we have to be able to own our mistakes. We have to be able to apologize and not try and defend ourselves. If you mess up, own it and don't go, but you. Just own it. Own your messed up. Apologize. Listen, where do your children learn humility and the power of asking forgiveness from you? Model it. Make it one of the things you champion. If my children learn anything from me, it's the ability to apologize, to own my wrongdoing, and apologize fully, and completely ask forgiveness, and then not tell them what they need to do to ask forgiveness too, because I got offended too. No! You own your stuff and make it a discipline. Look for ways every week to apologize. Look for ways to own it. Look for ways to humble yourself. You're not perfect. You trying to be perfect and feel like it's never your fault is going to make them try to aspire to perfection. We don't want that for them, do we? Own it. Ask forgiveness. Apologize all the time. It could be small things. It could be big things. If you responded poorly yesterday or today in some way of responding to them, own it. Own it. We make mistakes, which leads to the third part, and this is great news. There is grace for mamas. There is grace. There is grace. My Listen, my favorite verse in all of Scripture, in the context of relationships that I am in with other people, is 1 Peter 4, 8, and especially with my children and my spouse, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. That is so good. Above all else, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Being a mother is hard. It's rewarding, but how many times do you just sit there and put your hands up there and go like, I don't know how to do this. Ah! Right? Every day you do that. If you're smart, right? It's like, it's hard. It is so, so, so hard. And so here's the thing. The word from Peter, excuse me, from Peter, from Peter is powerful and profound. You absolutely 100% will sin against your children. So make sure that your expression of love is bigger than your expression of sin against them. Just make sure your expression of love is what you give yourself to. Make sure that you are striving every day with the help of God's grace, God's Holy Spirit, to love well, to love bigger. Let me be honest with you. My mom, this is a, this is, I mean, this is a true statement. My mom sinned against me, but I have to be honest with you. I don't ever remember. She wasn't perfect, but I'll be honest with you. Like, how can that be that I don't remember? Because because she loved me so powerfully and so well. Well, did she ever say, yeah, I could probably go think about those things and remember something if I wanted to, right? So don't feel bad about yourself right now. Celebrate that my mom was awesome, okay? You know what I'm getting at? Celebrate that. Celebrate that who you can become. Don't go, oh, me, oh. No, go, God, that wasn't my experience, but I'm thankful that is opportunity for me and for other moms. Don't get lost in your own self-loathing. That's never helpful, right? No, get in the moment and go, God, that was not perfect, but I aspire, God, to love bigger. 
And so, Jesus, I give you this. I'm asking for healing, but I'm going to commit myself, Jesus, to love bigger. I could think of things my mom did poorly, but who wants to remember those? I want to focus on that she loved me well. You know my heart when I'm getting at this, right? You know my heart when I'm saying. Love bigger. If there's anything you just wake up every morning and saying, just love bigger today. Just love bigger. Steve, wake up today and love bigger. And what does it do? The promise it covers over a multitude of sins that you commit against your children. The other side of this that I want you to see is in connection with what we've been speaking about for the last few weeks. God empowers us with, listen, hear this. Everybody pay attention. I'm, I'm literally almost done. I have this much left in my notes, okay? So focus. Come in right here. Everybody come back in. Come back in. Here we go. You ready? God empowers us with his spirit for every calling that we have in life, and parenting is a primary one. God's Holy Spirit is here to empower you in every call. Being a parent is not your primary calling. There's nothing biblical about that. You know what your primary calling is? To love God and to love your neighbor, right? Your primary calling is to go make disciples of all nations. And then underneath that is parenting. So Jesus, your children and your love for them, submit to your love for Jesus, right? So don't create an idol of your children and do this. Do Just go back to doing this, right? They are a primary calling in your life. They're not the primary calling, but as a, as a primary calling in your life, right? You're coming in the moment and say, God, empower me today in this calling to be a parent to love them bigger than anything else my sins against them. Help me. Because every day I believe that we can cry out to the Holy Spirit to fill you again today with the knowledge to parent well, the power not to give up, the conviction to love sacrificially, and to be filled with the will to surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your child's life, to surrender them. And say, I'm not in control. You are, Jesus. I'm not going to hover because you're doing a great job of it, and I don't want to get in your way. Holy Spirit. Love big in me. Help me get out of your way so you can love bigger. Jesus, help me. And so a simple prayer to pray, Jesus, give me your grace and power to love my children well in all circumstances. It's a prayer. Pray it every day. Moms, it's beautiful. It's a pain in the neck sometimes. It's overwhelming. You experience beauty. You experience unbelievable Suffering and difficulty many times. There is grace in that moment in both. Yes, you need people around you to pray for you. You need people around you to encourage you. You need people around you to love on you in those difficult seasons. You need to begin to be honest and fight for your children. You need to begin to be honest about your own sin against them and repent and ask forgiveness and to their face and create a model of loving them and a model of humility and asking forgiveness and give the best of yourself and don't back down and say things like this. Well, you better listen to my daughter. Whatever she says, you better do it because she knows. She's like, my mom believes in me. Do your children know that you believe in them? Do your children know that you love them without having to perform for them? Or perform for you, excuse me. Do your children live having to perform for you? Don't let that happen. Don't put your parents on them. Release them. Release them. And as you do that and you love big... 
They do things of Jesus' proportions. Why? Well, because the Holy Spirit now is released from you into them. The divine calling that they have, empowered by you, you loved, you loving them to it, you believing and fighting them to it, right? Speaking life, bringing wholeness, bringing salvation, bringing redemption. And you're like, yay, and then you're going to mess up again tomorrow. Yay, right? And so again tomorrow, guess who you need? The Holy Spirit to empower you. And he's there, and he will move. Let's pray. Father, we celebrate you. We celebrate your life, Jesus. We always remember and celebrate the willingness and the reality of your death. And we celebrate with great energy your resurrection. And so Lord, I speak this word of resurrection over our moms this morning. There are those, Lord, who have almost given up. There are those who have absolutely lost hope. There are those this morning who said, well, doing that is good for somebody else. I believe they can, but they don't really believe that they can for themselves. I pray, Holy Spirit, today that you would flood here. As Aaron leads us in worship in a minute, I'm asking Jesus that you would come. That you would move in power and the work of your spirit here begin to stir from death things back to life in the context of parenting and the life of children. I pray that you would empower moms again to pray without ceasing, to never give up, Lord. I pray you'd put it in them to to recognize their own faults and their own failings and to actually repent of their sins committed against their children. They would release their children from perfection. They would release their children from negative words that they've stated and that, God, they would ask forgiveness and love big. I pray today that you would do a work of restoration in the context of parent and child. I pray, Father, that you would move, that you would restore. God, we just declare there are, there are situations and places and moments and things, God, that seemingly have lost all hope, and that's not true. You always give and you always bring and give hope. And so that's what we're asking for in Jesus' name. This morning, I invite you to respond as we always do. We have offering baskets here for your tithes and offerings. This is an expression of worship through what God's given you. Second, we have communion available every Sunday. And this is just a beautiful reminder and an empowerment. We remember what Jesus has done, but we recognize it's for us today. His death, resurrection, excuse me, his death, his life, death, and resurrection expressed in this is a reality that we can embrace as we take it. We're saying, Jesus, we embrace your resurrection, Lord. And the things that need resurrection in our lives and my family, God, we're believing because of the body and the blood, body of broken blood poured out, God, it can happen. We have people on both sides, ministry teams, that would love to just come and pray for anything going on in your life, whether it's for, whether it's for your marriage, for your children, for your families, for your job, for you personally, whatever it may be, we would just love to pray with you and pray for you. So you respond to the Lord. He's going to come back up here at the end of the song. Aaron's going to kill it this morning. I'm not going to lie, man. He killed it in the first service. You're going to love this. Now he's like, oh, my gosh, shut up, Steve. But it's amazing, right? So you let God just lead us this morning in worship. Allow him to speak. Please stop thinking about Mother's Day. We're only done. It's like not even 10 after you. we got plenty of time to let Jesus move before you leave to go somewhere. Your mom will understand. You need more of Jesus this morning. Let him get a hold of you, okay? Let him get a hold of you this morning. So take time. Let him speak.